0: Good morning everybody and welcome to St John's virtual service on Sunday the 17th of January. It's a great opportunity isn't it to gather together around God's words and remind one another uh, of what binds us together and keeps us going. Uh, For those who haven't visited before my name's Matthew I'm the vicar of St John's uh, and with the parish of West Thorny and it's just a lovely opportunity isn't it to share in these uh, testing times um, that uh, God is good. And we're exploring just how good he is at the moment by looking through what it is to belong to his kingdom. What belonging to his kingdom of God means, what difference it can make uh, and, and how it works out in the end. So I'm looking forward to what Sarah has got to say about that for us this morning. First, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to remind ourselves that we come into God's presence as his people. And there are things that we can trust him for. From Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast heavenly father as we gather together this morning we pray that you would remind us in our hearts of these truths may we know that you we are held by you and that you know what's going on for us and that you love us and call us to trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've got an opportunity to sing and we've integrated the songs uh, now. Thank you very much for those who work uh, very hard on that. So our first song is Your Grace is Enough. Um, It's always a privilege isn't it to have people willing to sort of gather in and uh, share in this ministry together and so Andrew has agreed to read for us uh, Revelation chapter 19. So pray that that works uh, through us uh, as the word of God uh, keeping us in his promises.
1: Good morning, the reading is taken from St John's Revelation chapter 19. Threefold Alleluia over Babylon's fall. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven, shouting, "Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute, who corrupted the earth with her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Alleluia, the smoke from her goes up for ever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, Hallelujah!" Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Alleluia, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him and he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. The heavenly warrior defeats the beast I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals and the mighty. Of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulphur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: And thank you, Sarah, for preparing uh, your word for us this morning and pray that that feeds us today.
2: Good morning. This morning we have reached the penultimate study about the Kingdom of God. Last week we considered how we live in the light of the Kingdom, being very aware that, that we live out our every moment in God's presence. Today we are looking at the Kingdom in conflict. So let me start with a question. When you hear the word Kingdom Conflict, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Perhaps it is, well, who are we in conflict with? To win a war, we need to know our enemy. If we understand the bigger picture, much of our reading will make a lot more sense. So let's look at the cosmic situation which was well understood by the readers at the time the Bible was written. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, everything and everyone within it. We are very familiar with the idea that everything seen was made by God. But he also made that which we cannot see, essentially the spiritual realm. Genesis calls it the waters above. And there are many mentions of the spirit realm throughout the Bible. In essence, God created many spiritual beings who occupied the spiritual realm just as we occupy the physical realm. We know these beings as angels, demons, cherubim and gods, to name just a few. We know the story of Adam, Eve and Satan, and how they rebelled against God and in so doing had to leave Eden and live separated from God. But this was not the only rebellion. In Genesis 11, the people, having been told to spread out across the earth, and care for the world they inhabited, they decided instead that they would rather congregate in the city of Babel, building a huge tower in order to be their own gods. But God decided that this was enough. He scattered people to different countries with different languages, each overseen by its own local God. However, our God kept a portion for himself which he would later name Israel and Israel would show mankind how to love and worship God. The idea was that other gods would point people to the Lord God Almighty. But this didn't happen. These other gods decided that they would rather bask in all the worship and glory themselves, so they turned people, they drew them back to themselves instead, and so developed the conflict on a worldwide scale. Two Kingdoms. Yahweh our Lord with his people and spiritual beings and the kingdom that we now name as belonging to the devil comprising rebellious spiritual beings and those people who choose to belong to his kingdom. There is no neutral, no no man's land, no Switzerland, only two kingdoms exist. We see this played out time and time again throughout the Bible. Israel has barely settled in its own land before it wants to be just like other nations, with an amenable God. Again and again, God calls his people back, sending prophets with warnings and promises, sending punishment and even exile. But still it seems as if the devil's kingdom is winning, permeating every part of Israel. Evil abounds. Indeed, God goes silent silent for 400 years, until finally God acts. His solution is to send Jesus to live live among us, to show us how to live and worship. And then then he dies in our place as a sacrifice for all our rebellion. Now everything has changed. No longer does geography matter. Nations are dispersed by God and they are now the target for reconciliation. In dying and rising again, Jesus has conquered death itself, which was the domain of the devil. The war is no longer between nations as we understand it. In a single moment, the war was won. So now you may be wondering, if the war has been won, why do we still experience evil and misery? Why do we still sin? I have to admit that I I don't know the mind of God. But I can safely say that had Jesus died, risen, and then called everyone to account there and then, we would not be here now enjoying the life we have, even with all its ups and downs. This long time period is part of God's ultimate plan, which is far beyond our understanding. But we do know that God, in his unfathomable mercy, has allowed the world to continue with all the battles so that we have time to choose. We have time to come to know Jesus, and we have time to experience his power and his love. God is also using the intervening years between Jesus' resurrection and his return to use us, his church, to demonstrate his power, wisdom and glory to all the spiritual realm. We know from our reading in Revelation that Yahweh, our God, has won the war. But the devil is not going quietly, rather like Donald Trump. He is determined to take as many people with him as he can, by whatever means he can. Doubt, fear, lies, slander, jealousy, provocation, and anything else at his disposal. Now let me be clear. I'm not attributing every poor decision or bad outcome to the devil. If you wake up late, kick the cat on your way to work, fight with your kids and spend the evening vegging out on Netflix instead of something more useful. This is not automatically the fault fault of evil forces. We each have to choose what we do and how we respond to different situations is testament to which kingdom we are fighting for in that moment. But the battle is real. We see it clearly in those countries where Christians are openly persecuted and killed for their faith. It is so easy to recognise evil in such circumstances. But we also read of the victory of God in the lives of so many people. But we're not immune from the battle which we, are, which we are now in. It just looks different here. We are not facing our enemy down the barrel of a gun. No, our enemy lures us with promises of, have it now. You're worth it. Nobody will know. You can have it all. Or he whispers in our ear, just as he did to Eve. God didn't really mean. He won't judge you. Or even, he doesn't love you. Now I want you to know, to understand and to recognise that this cosmic battle is just as real today as it was when David picked up his stones to fight Goliath or even the devil when he openly tempted Jesus in the desert. It just looks different. But the outcome is the same. God wins. Now this has never been a war of two equal kingdoms. The devil's kingdom may seem large and overwhelming, but God's kingdom wields all the power. And so we come to our passage today. This is what we have to look forward to. Revelation is written with much imagery, which we don't immediately understand, as we are so far removed from the time and the world when these visions were recorded. But we need to hold on to the fact that these chapters tell us in some way or other what will happen when Jesus returns. So let us first look at what some of these images represent, so that we have a better insight into what's happening. Now I've only picked a few as there is not time to go into every single part with all the layers of interpretation that go with them. Chapter 19 starts with the fall and destruction of Babylon, which is personified as a prostitute, and as such she exerts an oppressive yet seductive power over the earth. She reduces intimate relationships to business transactions and relates to anyone who is willing to pay. Bedazzled by luxury, she wears lavish clothing and jewels, but she is drunk with the blood of the saints. Revelation tells us that many people find the pursuit of wealth to be intoxicating, and the violence can also be just as seductive. Babylon not only refers back to the original Babylon which conquered Jerusalem and destroyed its temple, but it also represents Rome as John pictures Babylon sitting on seven hills, just like Rome. And it was Rome that conquered Jerusalem again in John's day. Both represent human kingdoms and groups which align themselves with the rebellious spiritual kingdom. Both were commercial powers and both used violence to get what they wanted. Now this is just as true today and we could name many countries which would fit the same description. As we now see, Babylon has destroyed the beast that has been her ally. But who is this beast? The beast has two distinct but related meanings. Firstly, it refers to an end-time empire which is depicted in one of Daniel's visions. In the vision, this beast had seven heads and 10 horns indicating that it represented a coalition or union of nations which rise to power to subdue the world under Satan's control. Secondly, the beast also refers to a human political leader and head of a beastly empire. We would call him the Antichrist because he will call himself God and demand that he is worshipped. In this chapter we see Jesus returning in judgment. He will defeat the beast and destroy his empire and the beast will be cast alive into a lake of fire. We don't yet know who the person is who will become this beast. But according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7, this man will be revealed only when God removes the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit from the earth. Now Jesus returns as a rider on a white horse who is called Faithful and True. But what a sight! The heavens have opened and there is our Saviour. He is wearing many crowns which demonstrate that he is a king of more than one kingdom. And in two short verses, we learn that he is called faithful and true to contrast with an earlier evil character who boasts and blasphemes. And his name is also the Word of God, which we are familiar with from John's Gospel. But that is here to show that Jesus existed from the beginning and now comes back as the Word to stand in judgment. He also has another name which we don't yet know. And this is to show that Jesus has not revealed everything about himself and his plan. On the surface, it looks like God has cancelled his covenant and abandoned his people. But in reality, God keeps his promises and is working through human history to bring all of his people to repentance so that they will enjoy unending fellowship with him. Finally, we see Jesus leading his army of people and spiritual beings against the forces of evil. Now, this battle is over before it's really even begun. Jesus executes judgment and punishment on the beast, his prophets and all his followers. There are many views on how, where and when all of this will happen. And I think we could tie ourselves in knots trying to work it all out. So I am inclined to go with the view that Jesus said we would not know the day or hour of his return. So I'm not going to worry too much about the specifics. That said, we are watching our world change at a great pace. Global alliances are forming at all levels and evil seems even more prevalent. In the Western world, evil is called God, good. Darkness is called light and many decide what is right and wrong for themselves, rather than by what God says is right. So what does all this mean for us today? We have seen that we are in the midst of a war between two kingdoms, which will go on until Jesus returns. As with many wars, there will be times of respite for some, and other times it will seem as if the whole war is on our doorstep. So firstly, we need to know which kingdom we are in. As I said before, there is no neutral ground, and you can't have a foot in both camps either. Then we need to be prepared for the war. Ephesians reminds us to put on the full armour of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, and then we are to stand. Our standing sounds so easy. We are standing against the kingdoms and principalities of darkness, not one another. We are standing firm with God, our rock, beneath our feet, with Jesus before us so we can keep our eyes firmly fixed on him and the Holy Spirit behind us speaking words of encouragement and direction in our ears. But I would say that there is just one more thing. Reading Revelation shows us what will happen in the end. So wearing our armour and standing firm, we can praise. We praise knowing our God has already won the victory. We praise knowing Jesus has rescued us and will continue to rescue us from our enemy. We praise knowing that in standing firm our enemy flees. Indeed, praise is our battle cry now. And praise will form our joyful thanksgiving when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ in His kingdom on our final day.
3: Amen.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Sarah. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing how that fleshes out in the lives of people around us. Uh, and it's been really good to communicate the different ways in which we have uh, learned things about God and his faithfulness to us during this time. Um, I propose that we use a little psalm format uh, for our prayers uh, in your own quiet time. Do, I do encourage you to spend time with God. I know there's lots and lots of things we can fill our time with, but somehow it's easy to crowd God out. Um, so can I just encourage you to spend a little bit of time uh, every day just thinking and being still Uh, with him and his word and he will come to you and you will know that you have been with him and so a little prayer format and we've used it before uh, and you can just fill in the blanks yourselves the prayer goes like this dear lord right now I feel and you can fill in the blanks yourself but I know something you've learned about God so I will. How will I change the way I think? How will I change the way I adopt uh, my approach to uh, different situations? So why not write yourself a little prayer, spend some time this week. Right now, Father, I feel, but I know, so I will. It's a wonderful way just to remind ourselves of his goodness to us. And we know that we let God down, and we, we, we stray away. Our, our main problem is forgetting the good things that God has called us to. Uh, Jesus said, follow us. And we sort of say, okay, well, wander off in our own direction. Uh, and we lose track and we lose sight of him. And we do that because we're, that's what people are like. We're chaotic inside. But Jesus said, there's always a way back. There's a way back for you. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. That's the kingdom that we're, that we're exploring. That's the kingdom we belong to. And so he says, let's turn from our sins, turn to Christ. Let's confess our sins in penitence and faith. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, in word and in deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. Well may the God of love and power forgive us and free us from our sins. May he heal us and strengthen us by his Spirit and may he raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, Anne is going to lead us in prayer.
4: Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honour to his name. Whatever our situation, let us pause and reflect on these verses as I read them slowly again. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honour to his name. Loving Heavenly Father, we ask you to clear away any doubts we have that you do reign. Help us to grow in faith so that we can truly give honour to your name by the way we live and we can be a witness to the love of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we stand in the gap and pray for our broken world with all the sickness, injustice, corruption and global warming May more and more people learn to obey your instruction to love you, the Lord our God, with all our hearts and all our minds and to love our neighbours as ourselves. Lord, we long to see the forces of evil overcome and your kingdom reign in all its fullness. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. We pray for those in leadership in this country at local and national level. Give them wisdom and discernment in their decision-making and actions. And we pray for America. We pray for a sense of unity and the humility to serve one another and be a good model of democracy to other nations. Lord, lead and guide Joe Biden and the elected representatives of that nation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we know that you grieve over the violence and corruption that seems to follow elections in many countries around the world. We cry out for justice and peace. And we pray especially for Uganda, that the outcome of the election last Thursday won't lead to more violence. We thank you, Lord, for the many people working around the world to share your gospel by word and deeds and to create a just society. We pray for Rachel and Eric and we lift others to you that we know, naming them now in our hearts or out loud. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for an end to the pandemic. Show us all what we can do to limit its spread. And we pray for all the people involved in making, sharing and administering vaccines, that the resources will be used effectively distributed fairly around the world. We pray for all those working in hospitals, care homes, surgeries and pharmacies. Protect them and give them strength and resilience as they care for the sick and the vulnerable. Lord in your mercy hear our prayer. We pray for those caring for relatives at home with minimal support and for those who cannot visit their loved ones. May they experience you as their rock and their strength. And we pray for your healing hand upon the sick and the vulnerable. We remember John Excel, Rosamond. Joan and Wendy, Beryl, Elsie, and others known to us. And we pray for your comfort for the bereaved. And we lift David Holman and his family to you. Lord, accept these prayers for the sake of our Saviour, Jesus
3: Christ. Amen.
4: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
0: Uh, Now we're going to have our closing song, uh, which is a nice thing to be able to say actually, it just feels a little bit more uh, drawn together. So thank you for those of us who've who've helped put that together. Uh, King of Kings, Majesty. Uh, last of all, uh, let's close our time together in prayer. Do uh, share uh, your prayers, your three-part prayers with others, if you feel that that would be helpful. uh, And do encourage one another in prayer uh, by speaking to each other over the phone and uh, and doing the things that we can do uh, to keep the body of Christ alive and vibrant. Let's pray. Thanks be to you, our Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which you have given us, for all the pains and insults you have borne for us most merciful redeemer friend and brother may we know you more clearly love you more dearly and follow you more nearly day by day
3: amen